is God. Ha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let that flow out of you. Out of the bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yes, let it flow, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Break out and break forth, Jesus. Break out and break forth, Jesus. Ah. Yes, 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 yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hey, listen, some of this praise is so powerful because it's coming from a place of pain and agony and suffering. Release the praise and let the glory fall down on you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, don't be in a hurry. This is all about Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Huh? Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't enjoy this, you're going to be very uncomfortable in heaven. Because the Bible says for a long time we're going to gather around the throne and worship him. Cast our crowns at his feet. He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. Mm. If you have need of something today, would you just raise your hands where you're at? If you need something specifically from God, whether it be a healing, whether it be something in your family, in your job, in your spirit, in your mind, whatever it is, if you have something from him, raise your hands right now. In the name of Jesus, you see every hand that's raised, Lord. I'm asking you to step into their life right now. I come against the voice of the enemy. Lord, I silence him by the authority of your word and the power of your blood. And I release the clarity of the rhema word of God into their life. Speak to their sickness right now. Speak to their family right now. Speak to their emotions right now. Speak to their mind, God, and let the true king of liberty set up Set up shop. Set up, Lord, the kingdom of God in their spirit right now. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. Jesus, give me direction right now. Lead and guide this service right now. Praise God. This is as foundational as it gets. This is apostolic Pentecostal. The foundation of the apostolics or the apostles. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone from the church that was born on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Apostolic Pentecostal. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Just keep this attitude of praise in your spirit. You get into an atmosphere like this and your plans get jumbled. And so I'm just taking a moment. As one preacher said, I'm not really thirsty, but I'm thinking. Praise God. Today is Baptism Sunday. Let me put my glasses on so I can see. Is there anybody here that's come to be baptized today? Anybody that's come for the purpose of baptism? Well, praise God. Nobody today, that's okay. It's still Baptism Sunday. He's going to baptize us. He's going to immerse us. And uh, since there's, I, I'm preaching on the foundation. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Isn't it fun living for God? You never know what's going to happen. I felt led, and I shared this with you on New Year's Eve, that God wants us to go into a season probably through January and February and maybe spill over into the beginning of March, preaching on the foundations of the church. Doctrinal beliefs. The first one we, we dealt with a couple of weeks ago was the truth of the Word of God and why we place everything on the rule or the standard that's found here, proper biblical interpretation, process biblical interpretation. Praise God. And uh, then we talked a little bit last week about love, agape love, and what that means. And uh, I had prepared to speak on water baptism some today because I knew it was baptism Sunday and uh, I know the Unless they've just walked in. There was three people that were supposed to be here 
that I invited this week to be baptized, and they said they'd be here, but they haven't come yet. So if they come, we'll still baptize. We'll baptize anybody anytime. It takes us 45 minutes or so to get the tank filled, and we'll, we'll just set it up, and we'll meet you here, and we'll baptize you. But we like giving certain Sundays an opportunity for people to be baptized. And so uh, I gave Elena about 30 different scriptures that we were going to use. But things change. And I know she's good enough to change with me. So just save this day, Elena, and when I go back, you've got it already set up. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Where to start? How about putting a message together on the fly? How about that? Let's start at verse number 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. It says, no man can serve two masters. I'll read that again just because I like it. No man can serve two masters. How many of you have two masters? If you do, you're failing in one of the areas because no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is another word for money. But I want you to notice something when people preach this scripture all too often they focus on the money part of it. But the, the, the crux of the matter is you can't have two masters. Whether it be money and something else, whether it be friends and God, whether it be family and friends, you can't serve two masters. For one, you're going to end up hating the one and loving the other or loving the one and hating the other. Now, I'm coming alongside what Pastor Trish taught this morning, not because I was planning, but just this, simply this. We have got to regain our focus on Jesus. This society has turned a blind eye to who Jesus really is. We've, got so, we've become so accustomed to having a bazillion things happening. If you looked at your calendars, our calendars get full of all kinds of things. But the presence of God has stepped into this house today to remind us, I need to be the number one thing. I need to be the central figure of your life. Because you can't serve more than one. Therefore, everybody say therefore. That is a key word here. It says, well, because you can't serve two masters. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That flies in the face of everything you hear in society. You go to Barnes and Noble, and they got all kinds of bookshelves for self-help. They've got all kinds of understandings of, of how to improve your life, how to have, here's how you have a better life. Give it up. Now, let me say that again because we don't like to hear that even in the church. If you want to have a better life, give your life up. Do what the Apostle Paul said and, and follow his example where he said, I am crucified with Christ. I have died on the cross. I have gone to Calvary every single morning, and I've placed my agenda, and I've placed my checkbook, and I've placed my children, and I've placed my job at the altar of sacrifice and said, God, I give it all to you so that I can live the life 
you want me to live. Because Paul goes on to say, I am crucified with Christ. Then he puts a neat word in there. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Is Christ living in you? If Christ is not living in you and through you, it's because you haven't been crucified with him yet. Pastor, are you getting off the foundations? No, no, no. This is the foundation of this church. Somebody accused me one time of being a Jesus-only believer. I said, I'm not a Jesus-only believer. I'm a Jesus-everything believer. He was the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hebrews tells me that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says that if my life is built on the rock of Jesus, my life will be successful. I am a Jesus everything. I want him at my daytime. I want him in my evening. I want him in my family. I want him in my church. I want him in my finance. I want him in my health. I want Jesus everywhere. Seek ye first. Haven't gotten there yet. I'm only on 25. Take no thought for your life. Take no thought what you're supposed to eat. Take no thought for what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Let me just make a a bold statement. I'll close my eyes so you know I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. How much time have you spent on your clothes compared to how much you've spent on Christ? How much time have you spent on what you're going to eat? How What kind of refrigerator you're going to stock than you spent on Jesus? How many of you plan more for your retirement than you've planned for Jesus? How many of you have planned your homes and your structures and all of your toys and your hobbies more than you have for Jesus? Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good steak. There's nothing wrong with a good wardrobe. But when the steak and the wardrobe replace Jesus, it becomes an issue. And some of us would decrease our stress level if we could ever get to the place where we said, God, I don't know where it's going to come from, but all I know is I'm following you. And you said, I don't need to think about it. I don't need to worry about it because you've got me in your hand. Talk about de-stressor. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? I'm telling you, this was a message on the fly. Trish said earlier in the message that sometimes it just kind of pours out of me and I don't even really know what I'm preaching. There's an anointing that has stepped into this house for this church for this moment. I cannot cower. I cannot step back. If you become offended by something that is said, check your spirit that God's not trying to get your attention. But my question to you today is you, are you, do you understand that you are the apple of his eye? You are more important to him than the parakeet. You are more important to him than the wren. You are more important to him than the hummingbird. And yet the hummingbird has never planted a seed. And the hummingbird has never figured out what color their feathers are going to be. And yet the Lord feeds them and takes care of them and makes them beautiful. So why are we so busy trying to do it on our own? Let's let Jesus do it. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? You can try all the platform shoes you want. You're still 5'3". And a quarter? I was born in 1970. I know what all those shoes were. I grew up in a church atmosphere where General Mills was the key to a hairstyle. Some of you don't know what that means, but you remember the old General Mills oatmeal boxes? They were about that tall. They were round. The ladies put them on their head and put their hair so their hair went way up here. 
You think I'm kidding. You go look at some pictures of 1970s. It went from up here to out here in the 80s. And I've seen some of your pictures, so I know. But it doesn't change your stature. You can't add anything. You can't, you can't eat the right food to grow. You're going to grow or you're not going to grow. You have no say in it. Jesus does. So why are we so worried about us? Can I tell you, part of what God is doing at Spirit of Grace Church, yes, we are in the process of examining our foundation and, and making sure our foundation is strong. But the reason why we need a strong foundation is because God is building the building fitly framed together, a piece here, a piece there, and what that piece may not, and I'll just tell you that God's favorite style HGTV is simply this, eclectic. He doesn't lock himself into one. There's going to be one room that some of us are going to walk into and we're going to like, oh, no, not for me. And then there's going to be others that are going to walk into the library with me and all the books. And then there's going to look on the outside, and it's not going to just look like one simple house, but there's going to be a little bit of bright pink. There's going to be a little bit of browns. There's going to be some greens. There's going to be some blues. There's going to be some all, because we're all different, and the house he's putting together is going to look diverse. It's going to look different. It's going to look powerful. But the thing is, is the foundation is built on him, and when the house is built, it brings all of us in together. And see, here's the thing. Let me take it out of physical stature. Some of us in the church are so busy comparing ourselves with another church member that we fail to, re re to, to receive and or to realize the power and the anointing that is on me and on you. Listen, God didn't bless me with the gift of gab. I know I preach. By the way, thank you for my Christmas gift. It's up in my office. She gave me a beautiful crown of thorns. And I say that now because I may not catch her after. I don't have the gift of gab. Now, I've been around him a little bit. He'll talk to anybody, any stripe, any personality. He doesn't care. His house doesn't look like my house. If I start comparing myself to him and he starts comparing himself to me, we're going to get messed up. Because I've got to compare myself to him, and he's got to compare himself to him. And if we both are comparing ourselves to him, God's going to move us where we need to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Travis isn't like me. He and I are not, not exactly alike. We're, we're Chiefs fans second after the purple. So he's, he's in good shape. God doesn't expect him to be me, and he doesn't expect me to be him. He expects us to be together so that we are interwoven together and made a beautiful house. So why are you worried about where you're at in Jesus? Why are you worried about what your neighbor is doing? Why are you worried about the, the person? Listen, I, it's the worst thing that Christians do is compare themselves to somebody else. Because you don't have the same story. You don't have the same history. You don't have the same giftings. You don't have the same personality. Why do you think God uses different people? He uses different people because we all have to reach. We all have to express. We all have to be salt and light. And we all do it differently. And that's cool. Why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass of the field, 
which today is and tomorrow is cast like into the oven? Think about it. Maybe it's not oven-like in Minnesota, but that grass is dead. It's buried under some stuff, but it'll come back. So if he will do that for the grass, how much more will he do it for you? No, no, no. You've got to catch this part because this is where some of us have been the last couple of weeks. Are you brown grass or green grass? Are you buried in snow or are you budding at the ground level? What season are you in? If he loves you more than he loves the grass of the field, while you may have to go through some seasons of death, and browning and drying up and being damaged and being compressed and oppressed by the snow above you. My friend, just hold on because there's coming a day where the sun is going to shine, the snow is going to melt, the nutrients are going to feed, and you will become bright green again in the presence of God. Because he loves you. If he's going to do it for the grass, he's going to do it for you. What season are you in? And don't despise the season that you're in. Let the season take care of itself and let Jesus lead you. See, we don't like this passage of Scripture. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? But pastor, shouldn't we worry about putting food on the table? Isn't isn't it the, the responsibility of the parents to feed the kids and make sure there's food on the table? Yes, but who's your parent? If I am seeking him first, if my hand is in his hand, the refrigerator may not be stocked, but when it right comes right down to it, God will make a provision. There are too many testimonies where people have walked up to homes with a car full of groceries that said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but God asked me to drop this off. And they didn't have any more food to eat. And they didn't have any more milk to drink. But God showed up just in time. Listen, some of us wonder where God is and why he isn't showing up. Could it be that we have too much in the fridge? Could it mean that we have too much in the house? Have we put our plans together and we figured out how to survive and make it and sometimes even grow it on our own that we don't have need of him? Listen, he doesn't show up where we're not needed. He shows up when we sing like we sang today. Every day, God, I need you. Oh what we shall drink, what clothes we're going to wear. Then he really blasts them. He said, all these things, the Gentiles do it. That's what Gentiles, that's what pagans worry about. That's what unbelievers worry about. They worry about their 401Ks. They worry about the market. They worry about what's going on in Washington. They worry about what's going on in St. Paul. Listen, do I agree with what's going on in the society and in the politics? No, I I don't agree with them. I don't fear it, though. Because I serve the king that sets them up and puts them down. I serve the king that has it all in control. The whole world is in his hand. You either believe that or you don't. You either believe that or you worry about who gets elected. Don't misunderstand me. I think we should all vote, and I think we should all vote our conscience, and I think we should all vote based on the word of God. 
But the Bible, if I know the Bible to be true, and we established that two weeks ago, the Bible says he puts up, he puts down. He uses the leaders of the world for his purposes. My friend, even when they do evil, even when they do something that's against the word of God, God is just using them as a puppet to raise up the glory of the Lord. How do I know? Because the devil thought he had won when he took Jesus to the cross, but Jesus went to the cross on his own. He laid down his life for us, his own, and when he did that, he freed all kinds of mankind. The defeat of Satan happened when he thought he had his greatest victory, and now he's powerless. He is powerless. How do I know? Because the Bible says he's already been defeated. He's already been stamped on. The Bible says the heel of the seed of Eve was going to bruise the head of the serpent. My friend, when Jesus stepped off the cross in the three days that he was not alive on this earth and he went into the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says he descended to hell and took the keys to hell, death, and the grave. He simply went and bruised his head. He defeated him. Do we have to deal with him sometimes? Yeah, but he's a powerless foe if we allow him. If we just keep our eyes on Jesus and live for Jesus, when we confront him, he will have to flee because we have already submitted ourselves to the Lord. Is he real? Yeah. Do we deal with him? Yeah. But he's just nothing. Here's the reason. Here's when we get in trouble with him, when we don't look at Jesus. When we take our eyes off of him. Oh, so why are we worried? For your heavenly father knoweth you have need of all that stuff. Verse 33, but seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God is more important than Little League. The kingdom of God is more important than four-wheeling. It's more important than fishing. It's more important than golfing. It's more important than family time. It's more important than date night. It's more important than work. It's more important than my friends. It's more important than everything I have. He is my all and in all. He is who I need to seek first. Seek first the kingdom. I've preached this before, but there's too many Christians that have made Christ and the things of Christ a spoke on their wheel instead of the axle. Can I tell you, give me just a, oh man, it's only 1135. She must not have preached between songs today. Can I tell you why too many of us struggle to live for God? Because when we made him a spoke, when the wheel broke, we didn't have the axle to replace the wheel with. Because the axle became our job, our family, our kids. And she's going to be dealing with all of that in Sunday school when she teaches the next few months. But here's what happens. Is we break the wheel. And because Jesus and his kingdom is just a spoke of the wheel... The wheel comes off. And then the wheel that we put back on to move the vehicle is put onto the axle that we have declared to be the center point of our life. And if it's our career, then the tire that you put on, you're starting over from scratch to build the spokes. But if you have placed Jesus as the axle of your vehicle, When the tire falls off and your job was just a spoke and you lose your job, you can still go back to the axle. When you lose a family member 
or when a family member disowns you because you're a Jesus freak, or whether you feel like you're all alone, you're not putting your wheel back on a family axle. You're putting your wheel back on Jesus, (laughs) and he shows right up. And your vehicle gets rolling right again. Because we all have flat tires and bad tires from time to time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then notice the promise. And all these things. All these things shall be added unto you. Listen, I'm going to try to say this as calm as I can. When your spouse is in the right position, when your children are in the right position, when your job is in the right position, when your calling is in the right position, when your friends are in the right position, when your heart is in the right position, when your checkbook is in the right position, when your calendar is in the right position, when Jesus is the center of all of those, it all gets added. Are you finding yourself with not enough time in the day to get something accomplished? Can I tell you a secret? It's a good chance you haven't put Jesus first. Because if you put Jesus first, he adds the time. It's amazing. I can wake up and have a laundry list of things to do, and none of them get done. Or they all get done half-baked. But when I get up and I focus on Jesus... At the end of the day, I look, number one, I'm less tired, less stressed, and I've accomplished more. It's just the way it is. Can, can I... I, I, I just need to say some things. I, I'm going to be preaching on the foundation of tithing and giving here in a couple of weeks. because I, Not because the church is in trouble, but because we've got to be on the right foundation. But can I tell you something? Every testimony I've ever heard of somebody that didn't tithe that began to tithe, they wonder how in the world the money stretched out to pay the bills. Those hands that are clapping throughout the congregation have proven it. And and I'm going to share all that with you in one of these next couple of weeks. But the principle is this. When I am hand in hand with him, he takes care of everything else. We think of that or we like to think of that on an abstract level. But when you get the call that your niece or nephew was just arrested, do you go into panic or do you go to Jesus? When you get a call that a loved one's just rushed to the emergency room, do you go into a panic or do you go into Jesus? When your tax bill comes up in the next couple of months, Do you stress or do you go to Jesus? When you're unsure how to feed your children, do you panic or do you go to Jesus? See, in the abstract, it sounds like Jesus is number one. See? She knows. But that's what we do. We cheer from the sideline. Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. Until the boss says you don't have a job. And then you say, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me? Well, if Jesus gave you the previous job, he's going to give you another job. Okay, half of you believe that. If you lose a friend... If you go to Jesus, you'll gain him as a friend and many, many, many more.
If your natural family doesn't love you or accept you and rejects you, my friend, walk through the doors of the body of Christ and let us embrace you and bring us into the arms of his family. Because when you find Jesus first, all of these things shall be added unto you. He uses this word again, therefore. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Listen, some of your minds have been on Monday since Friday. Listen. We worry more about our tomorrows that we miss out on our todays. Today he wants to bless you. Today is the day of salvation. Today if you will lift up your head. Today, today, today. Listen, God is not restricted to time. He overwhelms all of time. Time is just a little entity in his pocket. He's not stuck. He's already been to your tomorrow. He's already been to your Tuesday. He's already operating in your Wednesday. If you will just trust him for today, he will give you today. And when you have today, you will be elevated into a dimension of his spirit where you don't have to worry about tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday because he's already there. Where we get in trouble is taking our hand out of his and saying, I've got this appointment, this appointment, this appointment, this appointment. I've got this to do for my boss. I've got this meeting at work. I've got to get the kids to this. I've got to get to that all before I can finally sit down and take a nap. But if I get up in the morning, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Just see what your evening is. For the morrow, tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Give me five more minutes. I'm just about, the chapter's over, so I'm just about done. We like to talk about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But without faith, it is impossible to believe God, for he, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We like faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We like faith. What is faith? Faith is reaching into tomorrow and bringing back the blessings of God to today. Evidence of things hoped for. This is what I want to have happen. This is the substance that I'm bringing back. So I'm already living today as if I'm in tomorrow. So I've got a situation. It's racking my brain. It's beating up against me. By faith, I reach forward into my victory. I bring it back to my day, and I live as I'm already in my victory. Do you understand? But here's what we do. We reach into tomorrow and grab our problems and bring them back to today. And we say, we're coming up on the 1st of February. Mortgage is due. So what? We got 10 days left. Listen, don't get me wrong. We have to pay our bills. We have to do some things, the schedule. But we don't have to worry about them if we're worried about him. <laughs> He's got it all in control. And when I can seek him first and I can obey him first, he's promised everything else. And then notice what he says to end this chapter. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, when you seek him first, he gives you that which is sufficient to deal with all the negative junk. 
when you seek him first, he gives you the tools and the instruments to come against anything that would come against you. He gives you all the hatred, the wrath, the emulation, the strife, the heresies, the drunkenness, the, all of the stuff that's listed in Scripture. He gives you the tool because you're hand in hand with him and you've sought him first and he gives you the spirit that resides in you. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's sufficient enough to seek him first. Seek him first. Sorry, honey. Can't talk about the bills right now. I haven't talked to him about it yet. Mom and dad, I'm sorry. I I, I know things are rocky and rough right now. But I just need to focus on Jesus for a second so that I respond in wisdom. Parent, take a step back and don't rush into things and say, I got to seek him first because then I can deal with this right. Listen, I don't want to pat myself on the back, so don't misunderstand me. But Trish is probably the best uh, person that can, can read into this. This is how I have attempted to live our life. And when I've gotten us into messes as a family, it's because I've got my eyes off him and I've got my eyes on something else. And then I try to step into where we're trying to operate as a family. And because I haven't taken the right amount of time to focus on him first, I'm bringing in all other kinds of ideas. And then it blows up. And then we have our discussions. And then we walk through it. And then we have our apologies. And then we have to relearn how to do what we were supposed to do. Where if we would have just said, time out. Jesus, I'm all yours. You deal with it. I am not a man of confrontation. I've never enjoyed it. I've never liked it. When I get pushed to confront something, I will but it's a big push. But here's what I've always done. God, it's not about me. You'll take care of it in the end. And there's some things biblically that you just need to confront. But if you're looking at Jesus the things that you need to confront become much more clear than the things that you just let him confront. Hey, over and over and over, God said, stand still. The battle is not yours. It's mine. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we go, but God, I can shoot a gun. God, I can march. God, I can ride a chariot. God, I can throw a spear. You may be able to do all of that, but I don't have that as for your purpose today. Let me deal with it. You touch your neighbor and love them as yourself. But God, I wanted to fight. God, I want to box. I want to fight. I want to wrestle. I want to be active. I want you to be still. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Don't fight, don't wrestle, just stand there with all of the armor of God. Why does he say that? Because all of the armor of God is defensive. And let him do the battle and see what happens.
Your job situation will change. Your family situation will change. Your friend situation will change. Your financial situation will change. Your calendar situation will change if you look to him. I invite you to stand. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run this race in patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Let me ask you, was the cross a thing of joy? I don't think so. So what's that talking about? I believe it's this joy, that as he originates or authors the faith in each one of us, he now has a piece of art that he begins to mold and to shape. And as long as you keep looking at him, he's not only going to start something in you, he's going to finish it in you. And the joy of the finished product is going to bring a smile to his face. Uh, you are his craftsmanship. You are his artistry, and he weaves us all together with a tapestry of beautiful art that is priceless. I want us to do two things. I want us to be honest enough that if you're here today and for whatever reason, the reason basically being you're human, but for whatever reason, you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you've been worried about all kinds of life situations, would you just step out of your seat and make your way across the front of this altar? Very quickly, anybody, it's, this isn't sin, this isn't your messed up, this is your, your focus has just been off a little. And, and you've gotten consumed with the worries and the cares and the life of this, uh, of the life in this world. Yeah, yeah, all across the front. Stretch out all the way around to my right and all the way around to my left so everybody has a spot. One last call. If you're a guest here, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm crazy. I'm weird. But Jesus is worth it all. And if you came here looking for something to fill your soul, to fill that emptiness, to be able to change the, the trajectory of your life, Jesus is the only one that can. So I invite you as well. Look at this, all the way across. Now, now here's what's exciting, is in just a moment we're going to pray for them. And what we're really doing is we're resetting the compass. <laughs> and can you imagine what's going to happen in the heavenly realms this week when we're all looking to Jesus? Here's what I'd like us to do. For those of you that are standing around the, the altar, in your own way, whether it be raising your hand, or I know some of you can't raise your hands at this time, but if raise your heart, raise your mind, and just begin to repent for taking your eyes off him. Lord, I'm sorry. I've let the things of this world, the circumstances of my life, I've let the weeds grow up around me. Lord, I know I actually know better, Lord, that if I, my mind is right and my heart's right with you, everything's good. But I've just, it's just kind of overgrown and overwhelmed me. And today is just a reminder that I need to, to, to cut it out and I need to, to weed around my plant. And Lord, I'm asking your forgiveness. I repent of my shortcoming. I repent of allowing the wheats and the tares to rise up around the, the plant that you've given me. 
And so now, Jesus, once again, I turn everything over to you. I release everything into your hand. I release everything into your dimension. I release everything, God, from my heart, soul, mind, and strength into the hands of the one that started working in me and the one that's going to finish working in me. In the name of Jesus. And when you've done that, begin to worship. I'm asking those that have faith to come around these folks. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Begin to support them in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. Jesus in your name right now. Jesus in your name right now. Jesus in your name right now. Ha, Lord, let it be clear. Let it be clear right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are the center point of my life. You are the center of my joy. You are the center of my peace. In the name of Jesus, let divine strength come in. Let divine anointing rest. Lord Jesus, touch Cheryl right now. Lord, renew the joy. Lord, remove the fatigue and the weariness. And allow, God, your spirit to saturate and consume even now, oh God. Jesus, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, I release Jesus into her. I release Jesus right now. I release the embrace of the master right now. I, I release the Lord right now. Jesus, you are king of kings. From the top of her head to the sole of her feet, consume her in the anointing. Baptize her in your anointing and your spirit. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let her sense it. Let her feel it. Lord, touch Kim right now, God, by the authority of the word of God. Lord, Chelsea and John and Dwayne, Lord, let the glory of the Lord fall in this house. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yeah, God's doing some amazing things right here. God's doing some amazing things right down here. Don't be quick to leave. Just let God soak you. Let God saturate you. Let God embrace you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Jesus, 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 Jesus has sent his challenge to us. Seek first. Seek first. Ah, Jesus. Just before we leave today, and if you're seeking the Lord around this altar, you stay as long as you need to. Seek Him first. 
seek him. I need you. Ah, you're like honey on my lips, a symphony in my ears. Oh, you're everything. You're everything to me, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need to go, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday and Thursday. But I encourage you to stick around a little bit and let God just fill us up. Just fill us up.